One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and it was with a very heavy heart yesterday that I heard about the passing of pop star and actress Olivia Newton-John who, bless her heart, passed away yesterday at the age of 73 and I suppose it was because I was immediately transported back to my teenage years when Greece was in the cinema and we queued up to get in to see it and we all fell in love with Danny and Sandy and the rest of the Greece uh, crew and you know whatever it is about that particular movie uh, there's uh, future generations have all fallen in love with Danny and Sandy and everybody loves uh, Greece there's probably young children today who will know exactly who Olivia Newton-John is because they've also watched Greece it's one of those kind of timeless movies that you know it appears every now and again on the TV and if you're flicking around with nothing and nothing else to watch and Grease pops up it's one of those movies you'll sit down and watch again it's got that real feel good factor about it and it was it certainly was the movie for me where I don't know whether I was aware of Olivia Newton-John before that or not and of course the big thing was I think she was nearly 30 years of age when she was playing the role of Sandy and she was meant to be what a 17 year old and uh, she was uh, nearly 30 at uh, the time she's a she was a Grammy Award winning uh, su- a superstar. She was a long, now she had been born in the UK but they when she moved, when she was quite young they moved to Australia and she lived in Australia for many years and she sold o- well over 100 million albums and it was her husband who made the announcement that she died yesterday at their Southern California ranch and she was surrounded by her uh, family, her family husband took to Facebook and Instagram and said Olivia has been a symbol of triumphs and hopes for over 30 years sharing her journey with breast uh, cancer. Now for about a 10 year period from 73 to 83 uh, Olivia Newton-John was amongst the world's most popular entertainers. She had 14 top 10 singles in the US which isn't an easy thing to do. She at the time won four Grammys and of course her big starring role was with John Travolta in Greece but she also of course was with Gene Kelly in Xanadu now Xanadu is one of her songs that would be probably my favourite of all of Olivia Newton-John's uh, songs and this morning while I was remembering Olivia Newton-John I was googling uh, Xanadu and of course it was a movie with Gene Kelly and I don't honestly know if I ever saw the movie or not because it was a movie set in the 80s kind of around the time of the roller disco craze and I just saw a great scene of Gene Kelly who must have been well in her, well in his 60s at the time of the making of that movie and there he is on a pair of roller skates skating around with all the other young people around him and given uh, what a fit man and what a great dancer Gene Kelly uh, was but of course there was, a, there was a number of hits that Olivia Newton-John had from that movie uh, Xanadu but it was really with with John Travolta in Greece that she 
became worldwide uh, success. And actually their duet, uh, You're the One That I Want, was one of the era's biggest selling songs. It sold at the time more than 15 million copies. And John Travolta yesterday, when he heard the news, he took to social media to give his condolences and he put a message up that I swear it it really brought a tear to my eye and let me it was just a short message he said my dearest Olivia you made all our lives so much better your impact was incredible I love you so much we'll see you down the road and we'll all be together again yours from the moment I saw you and forever you're Danny you're John I just thought that really they seem to have had a really great connection that lasted long after the making of the movie and physical and that was a song that a lot of people will remember was that really bouncy pop uh, tune. That was her huge hit in 1981 and it was number one for 10 weeks. It was named the Billboard Song of the Year. Despite the fact that it was banned by some radio stations, it was just deemed a little bit too uh, racy. And if people will remember Physical, there was a video to go with it. And of course, in those times, every song was bought out. It had a video and the video was set around the aerobics at the time was the big thing people going to aerobics classes and she was dressed up as an, at an aerobic class with kind of uh, the spandex leotard and uh, the leg warmers on actually the, the actual video itself um, won a, a Grammy for best uh, movie for best um, video at the time but it was deemed very very racy and she said herself after she recorded it and she started thinking about some of the lines that were in the song she thought oh yeah maybe maybe we shouldn't be releasing this <laughs> when she got onto the producer says it's too late it's already gone to the radio stations and it's, uh, it's already running up the charts and she herself thought at the time that she was horrified and thought oh my god how is this song going to go down but it went down even though as I say banned from some of the radio stations but uh, it still was a huge huge uh, hit for her and of course lots of fans yesterday flooding social media mourning her death uh, one wrote farewell with love to the legend who will forever be my first crush and that's I think what she was to a lot of teenage boys they all fell in love with Olivia Newton-John someone else said you're an icon and we will miss you uh, dearly and one that I had forgotten about was she had actually represented the UK in the 1974 Eurovision Song Contest with the song Long Live Love she finished fourth in the competition the competition was held in Brighton that year and who did she lose out to who won the Eurovision Song Contest in 1974 it of course was ABBA with uh, Waterloo now Olivia Newton-John was first diagnosed with breast cancer in 1992 and since then she's been a real campaigner on behalf of breast cancer survivors and she set up a charity uh, to help with trying to find a cure for uh, breast cancer. Now, it seems in 2017, it was revealed that the cancer had re- had returned and this time, unfortunately, it had spread to her spine. It, o- it was also later revealed that it had actually come back in 2013, but she had kept quiet about that particular uh, diagnosis. She thought she'd gotten away and gotten over that one. But then in 2017, when it returned to her spine, but goodness me, from 2017 to yesterday, August of 2022, she really did put up some uh, 
battle. Now, Irish Water have been on to say that, oh, this is for people in Charleville and the surrounding areas. There was to be works going on today, so there was a planned outage between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. today. Irish Water have had to postpone that. They say that when the works, uh, they're going to have to reschedule and they will uh, issue residents with an update on the new date. But for today, they're not going ahead with those planned works. But then we got calls in uh, almost straight away from people in some areas of Mallow to say we've no water today. What's going on on one of the hottest days of the year? We've got onto Irish Water. They say repairs to a burst water main is going to affect supply in Mallow Town. It seems to be mainly in the Ballydaheen, Quarterstown and surrounding areas. They're working on repairing that burst water main in Mallow and they expect supplies to be back at around 2pm today. And I was just announcing that uh, Irish Water, they're repairing a burst water leak in uh, Mallow uh, today. And you just think with the warm weather that we're going to be experiencing right across this week, across the weekend, and it could even go into uh, next week. Are we going to be facing into water supply issues? And it seems we will because water supply in more than 60 locations around the country Irish water say are already under pressure and that's as we begin to head into this dry spell of weather Irish water is already having to impose nighttime restrictions and other measures and that's to keep the taps running in 13 areas so far and then between 50 and 60 areas are on what Irish water call a watch list this is as water levels are lower than needed to provide certainty of supply to the end of the forecasted hot weather by Met Aaron. Around six are expected to require restrictions in the next few days and the rest could follow across next week and over the next fortnight. Now most of the affected areas are in the Midlands but some of them are here in the south and the south uh, west. But the west of the country is where there are large numbers of holiday makers and obviously that's driving up demand and that's leading to further concern. Supplies to the cities seemingly are holding up well uh, but some large provincial towns could also be affected they're not giving exact details uh, yet Um, the head of operations at Irish Water is Tom Cuddy he said that the company's water scarcity committee and yes we do have a water scarcity committee they're monitoring levels and they're doing it in all of the water sources all over the country he says it's very different uh, across the country the biggest challenges is here with us in the south and in the Midlands and that's got to do with the fact that rainfall has been 65 to 75% below what it normally is at this time of year. We may think it's always raining but it's the amount of rain that we actually get that we're actually getting is not enough and that's the issue on the supply side but then you add to that demand is the other issue. If you're in a tourist area obviously their demand is going up and obviously whenever the weather gets hot there's a very noticeable spike in demand in outdoor use by domestic customers and obviously then added to that the holiday resorts and the seaside resorts and agricultural areas obviously as well need a lot more water when the weather starts to heat up. Now all this warning is coming as the latest reports from the Environmental Protection Agency they're showing that water flows in almost half of the country's rivers are either below normal 
are there particularly low for this time of year? A third of our lakes are also obviously falling into that category, bearing in mind that the vast majority of our drinking water supplies come from rivers and lakes. Levels are expected to fall further because Met Erin are warning of this heat wave across this week and right across the weekend. No rain is forecast. The next spell of rain, Met Erin say, is not going to happen until next Monday at the very earliest. And even the rain that is forecast for next uh, Monday is going to be very short-lived. And then the long-term forecast to the end of this month is for above average temperatures and below average rainfall in most areas. And already the outlook for the first week in September is for continued warm weather. Uh, The east of the country looks like they'll get some heavy rain, but it doesn't look like we're going to get any kind of heavy rain here in the south. It's going to stay unusually uh, dry. So Irish Water is saying nighttime restrictions, water pressure uh, adjustments, intensified leak repair programmes and that will frustrate some people who've already been contacting us saying we've been on Irish water for weeks about a leak and nothing has happened. They're saying they're intensifying their leak repair programme. They'll do things like tankering if that is needed and they'll also switch between connected water schemes that would be uh, used before they'll do all of that before they'll bring in daytime uh, restrictions. So they have a lot of things that they can do before we get to the dreaded situation where you turn on the tap and there will be no water coming out because we'd be on some kind of a daytime uh, restriction. However, the long term issue of drier summers caused by climate change and the growing demand, because let's be honest, our population is growing. There's also economic expansion. All that is going to to put extra strain on a system that already seems to be under uh, pressure. Uh, Irish Water say they've invested in a lot of leakage reduction but they say what they save is being gobbled up in new and additional use in Irish Water. Again, asking people to please be conscious of water conservation and in particular to avoid watering gardens because they say gardens will recover naturally when the rain returns. So, um, and, you know, as always, Irish Water say, if you've noticed a leak, please report it to them. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Scramble for student accommodation has always been uh, difficult, um, forcing many students to commute long distances in order to attend their third level college placement. But this year is proving to be even more challenging. To find out more, I'm joined by Quiva Walsh, who is Vice President for the Southern Region of the Union of Students of Ireland. Good morning to Quiva. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm very well and and thank you for joining us. Do you believe there is less accommodation available for students this year compared, say, to even last year? Uh, Yeah, I I do. Um, Last year, uh, last year it was, it was bad, um, but it was more that it it was expensive and eventually people could find somewhere. But this year there seems to actually just be no accommodation anywhere. Um, Like students actually cannot find anywhere to live. Um, Like, like last year when I when I was faced with this, it was more um, just students that like the accommodation that was being given to them was just so expensive. Now the accommodation is still pretty expensive, but now it's even that like there's just no accommodation there. 
And of course, if there's lack of availability, that is a tendency to push prices up even higher, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And some students I was reading about in the papers had booked a place and then discovered via an email that it was being cancelled. Yeah, yeah, so that happened um, down in Tralee, um, which was shocking, to be honest. Um, instead, uh, they've uh, decided to um, rent out the houses to uh, longer, longer-term longer renters um, instead of students. And um, it's just, you know, it's just, it's mad because, like, these students, um, like, just, just before they go back, I mean, students are back in about two, three weeks now, like, and uh, a month even, and now they've they've no accommodation. And they, that, that's a lot of students. If that's, like, a whole area where students were uh, living I mean where are they supposed to go now like it, it's hard enough to find somewhere to live anyway and then when you have someone secured and then you're told that you don't have it anymore I mean like where are you supposed to go yeah, like, and, it's heartbreaking it really yeah. is heartbreaking are la- am, am, am I right in assuming that landlords are able to get higher rents from other tenants is that why they're opting out of students and going with longer term leases um, yeah it could be that's uh, I, I, what I think anyway um you're more than likely to get. I mean, if you've a longer term tenant, you, you probably are more than likely to get more money um, than you are. And then I suppose with a student, you don't know how long you're going to have them for. Um, so if you're guaranteed money from someone for a longer amount of time, I mean, of course, for twelve gonna, months yeah, as opposed to just, yeah the shortest um, yeah. college uh, term. Okay, you mentioned prices. How much on average are students? Can students expect to spend on accommodation those that are lucky enough to have found it? Well, uh, with, with the new privately owned um, accommodations that are being built, I mean, it's about nearly like nine, €9 to €1,000 a month. Um, Not, sorry, uh, 9 to €1,000 a month? Oh, yeah, 900 to €1,000 a month. Um, and then there's like, I mean, most houses at the moment that like I see up are like, Seven, eight hundred a month for a room, and I mean the rooms aren't up standard at all. To be honest, I mean I like to mean their little <laughs> majority of them are kind of small bathrooms or smaller rooms, and I mean you're just getting like a bed, you know, like so like it's just not worth the money. Um, that's why I think like uh, students need to like um check you know conditions of rooms and not to be handing out money until you um till you um see the place you're staying in first in case you get scammed, you know, get rent receipts. Um, have a contract because like, you don't know what you're getting yourself into either. But is there a fear, Quiva, if you're desperate, yeah. you'll, t- you'll take anything? Yeah, that's the thing. So I, I would think that last year as well, and I see it again this year, that um, a lot of students who, like, if they can't find anywhere, like, they'll pay anything, they'll take whatever they can. It's I mean, because they're like, they'll have nowhere else to stay. And how are you advising students? And I imagine you're hearing from their parents as well, who still haven't secured a place to live. I mean, what are you saying to them? Well, we're just on the lookout for them, really, um, hoping they find somewhere. I know a lot of um, students now who kind of turn to um, are looking at commuting until they find somewhere. Um, but I mean, some students will be commuting up to nearly like three, four hours a day, if that's the case as well. Um, I know last year I, I saw students who um, had deferred their course because they couldn't get accommodation and I assume the same thing will probably happen again this year. So it's just they're missing out on a, yeah. on a year. Yeah, that's yeah, that it really, really is 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 unfortunate. What about digs? Is that is that an option? Are, are families renting out rooms in in their homes to um, students? Yeah, so digs can be an option, but there's no legislation around it. So like, I mean, you could go into a house and you don't I mean you could be put out again. 
you know there's nothing there's nothing secure about it um like i i saw cases um i've seen cases where students have been in digs and then they've been told right um you actually have to be out by next week that's it you know like there's nothing around it um so i mean it 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 sounds great you know and it's good if it's there but also there's there's nothing to you know like um secure your place yeah. in that house because you are staying in somebody else's um and, home and the and students who commute that you mentioned long long distance I mean that must be extremely difficult on and must affect someone's study. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean you'd be exhausted. I mean, I mean like if you're travelling that much uh, a day, I mean you won't even be able to. I mean, I imagine your concentration wouldn't be that great. You know, like I mean, if you you'd be tired, like you'd be exhausted from it. Like it's just it, like it, re- it is like I mean the accommodation is it's a massive barrier to education. You know, like I mean, like students like it is actually it's affecting their like, how they study. Like I mean like. How can you expect someone to travel that much for, like, let's say, like, a whole week and still be, like, up to, like, their top performance? I mean, like, you're you're going to be exhausted. That's impossible. It, it really is, is impossible. What do you believe are possible solutions to this problem, Guiva? Um, honestly, um, a possible solution, I think, um, obviously, lower rent. I think that needs to obviously happen and um, I'd love to see like maybe like a, a cap on student accommodations as I was saying that there's loads of private uh, owned student accommodations that have been built but I mean they're so expensive it's, they're just not feasible you know and um, so I'd love to like maybe see like a cap on those you know but, like cheaper I mean it's just it's mad at the moment because like the people just can't afford to stay anywhere but even now like there's just nowhere to live because you know like I mean some course some colleges have like um now, um, made more spaces, like more um, more students able to come into different courses, which like obviously sounds great, but there's there's nowhere for them to live because there's no accommodation available. I know I saw Simon Harris, who obviously is the higher education uh, minister, like he's announced plans to support colleges in building more campus uh, accommodation. But but obviously that's of no immediate help to the students that need it this yeah, year. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not it's not immediate at all. Um, and I think in a lot of places I don't even know where they didn't even build it. I mean, you know, like they've loads of at the moment. Um, I know they're in Cork now. At the moment, they've there's a couple of new um, uh, accommodation uh, accommodation built for students, but as I said, really expensive. Are they? You see, that's the problem. You yeah. can build them, and then if they're they're out of the of the price range for most students, it's just really yeah. unfair. We're going to get to the stage where going to third level is going to be as it once was, f- just for the elite and those that can afford to send their children. Yeah, and it is. It's going that way, like it is. Like it's just it's completely unfair. So uh, it's going to be a tough, a tough few weeks ahead then for for students, and we haven't even got the leaving cert results out. I know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the <laughs> leaving cert results aren't even out yet. So. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It really is going to be hard. Okay, um, Quiva. Oh, sorry. Somebody's just said, could students not go back to studying online like they did during the pandemic? Would that be a solution? Uh, I mean, it could. I mean, like it could be a solution, but I mean, like people are like these spaces. There, people deserve to be able to come in and like get their education in person. You know, like I mean, just like I know the accommodation crisis, and like it, it sounds great you know like it, it sounds like a solution or like it, people can go and just they can do it online you know but like but you know like it's not it's not it's like if you if you are finished and you want to go on 
and start living when you want to. They said I can move out when you want to. You know, like, study, like you, you should be allowed to. You know, you shouldn't have to do it online just because there's no accommodation available. Like, it's just not good enough, really. And experience college life and yeah, living away exactly, from yeah. home and all that comes with them. That's all part of yeah. growing up and maturing. Yeah, they deserve that, you know. You deserve to be able to do that. OK, and for students, contact their local Union of Students in Ireland branches, where, wherever they're yeah, hoping to study. Yeah. Yeah, or even their local students' unions, whichever. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right, listen, Quiva, appreciate you taking our call this morning. Thank you for that. Thank you. Good Bye. morning to you. That is Quiva uh, Walsh, Vice President of the Southern Region of the Union of Students in Ireland on what looks like many students really left in limbo, particularly those ones that had a house booking, those ones in Tralee, and then to receive an email to say, oh, sorry, we've changed our mind. And it was a village that occasion for about 54 uh, students and um, they have uh, decided to know that they're not going to go down the route this year of student accommodation. They're going to go for long-term letting in instead. Just so upsetting and heartbreaking for those students who then have to scramble to try to find accommodation in an area where there's very little accommodation available. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Okay, just a couple of comments in on student accommodation. Marion contacting us from Bantry. Her son is hoping to get a college place in Cork City uh, this year, but the cost of accommodation, they're already looking into it. He'll have to pay the same price that his older brother is currently paying for rent, bearing in mind his older brother is out working the days of low cost accommodation for students seems to be well and truly gone it's crazy as he couldn't possibly commute every day from Bantry Timmy is in the lock and said how many new student apartments are now being built in Cork there's a lot of them but they all cost so much to rent out the students can't avail of them then you have the old style student houses that are either been sold or knocked so it's leaving less and less accommodation available for students and Carmelin Toker said all the high rise student apartments going up are great but the problem is nobody can afford to live in them 0818 103 103 some of your comments in on that I'm going to go back to water now because I mentioned at the start of the programme that Irish Water is already having to impose nighttime restrictions and other measures to keep taps running in 13 areas doesn't seem to be affecting our areas as of yet but they do say that between 50 and 60 areas are on a watch list as water levels are lower than needed to provide certainty of supply uh, to get us through the end of this current spell of dry weather. That that prompted Julie in Ballyhas uh, to contact me. Uh, Good morning to you, Julie. Morning, Patricia. Julie, lack of water in your area during dry periods is nothing new, you say. What's going on? No, um, we're living where we are for the last 10 years or so and every summer and Every winter, if you've a you know frost in the winter, a couple of hot days in the summer, we'd be without water pressure where I am. So we're well used to having a few days of no water. Now this is nothing to do with a leakage or anything. This is just your pressure drops to the point that you can't use it. Yeah, well the the water supply up to where we are was on the old the old pipe, and it was an absolute sieve. It constantly bursting. Um, and then in the summer, I'd have no pressure. So, yeah, it's not that the water is turned off. I just wouldn't have pressure supply up to the house. Now, Ballyhas, that's, that's a rural area. Yeah. 
they're actually doing the water network there at the moment because the road completely closed off for the last few weeks. Great. Um, they're putting in a whole new pipe and doing, you know, a big two kilometre stretch and hoping it'll sort all my problems anyway. <laughs> but in the meantime, what, what are you like at the moment as we're heading into this heat wave? Yeah, so for the last three days, I suppose, I've had no active water pressure supply up to the house. Um, you might get the odd dribble now and again of the tap, but it's, uh, you know, I'm basically operating off bottled water for the last few days again. So we're used to this. So I'd have multiple drums, five litre drums of water stored for this kind of situation. So at least I've, you know, water to you during the day for cooking and drinking and stuff. Um, but what, but, kind of, but what ha- does that mean you can't have a shower or turn the washing machine on? Mm, yeah, can't run the wash. You definitely couldn't run the washing machine and dishwasher at the same time where I am. Um, like I stood up late last night trying to get around the washing done. I had the dishwasher program to come on late overnight and into the early morning. But when I got down this morning, it had cut off again due to no water pressure. So it's... <sighs> You can't rely on it. I mean, I couldn't do around the washing on a Saturday morning for the last few years. Like, can't do it. Showers? Um, showers, yeah, like, kind of, you try to, you know the water pressure, so you'd, um, yeah, like, it's okay, early evening would probably be okay. God, it's a crazy way to live, isn't it? Mental. <laughs> you know, and when the water charges came out that time, I did pay them. Yeah. I because I could see the need that we needed to upgrade the water supply. Like, don't get me wrong, I don't like paying taxes like anyone else, but I did need to upgrade the water system at the time. And if paying water charges meant... That I'd have an active, reliable water supply... You'd willingly I mean, pay I'd pay, for, I'd pay for my yeah. ESB, I'd pay for my food, I'd, you know, pay for everything else. Yeah. So they're working on it at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. So fingers crossed that it all works for the good people of Valley House. Okay. In yeah. the meantime, uh, stay cool and keep the bottled water in because I think you're going to need it over the next few days we for will sure. Do. All right. Listen, thanks for that and thanks for making the call. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Julie in uh, Valley House outside of uh, Mallow. 0818 103 103. Now, Christmas, it might be the furthest thing from most of our minds as we're basking in this warm weather. But for the residents and visitors to Clonakilty, very disappointing uh, news with an announcement recently from Cork County Council that they're no longer be providing the festival lights for the town. Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan is a member of Clonakilty Chamber of Commerce and uh, he joins me. Good morning to Christopher. Hey, Patricia. Now, firstly, what reason have Cork County Council given for not putting up the Christmas lights this year in Clon? Yeah, for, first of all, I absolutely agree with you. It's very odd to be talking Christmas <laughs> and Christmas lights. And, uh, for, you know, I, I'm, well, people listen, the, it could be worse. I, I could be playing Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas and I, I won't do that <laughs> yeah, We won't go there yet. Okay. Um, no, listen, though, this is a, it is quite a serious issue. And it, it is, um, when, I, when I heard the news that this was actually going ahead and it was muted, um, a number of back months back, I think it was actually muted last uh, last Christmas before last Christmas that this is the direction that Cork County Council were going. Um, it was re- it was really disappointing, and 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 the reason is Patricia is that for for years, for decades, uh, there had been an arrangement, and um, particularly in the days of the town councils and the urban councils, there was an arrangement where at that point, pre two thousand fourteen, the town councils would have 
funded, would have paid for, would have organized um, the uh, erection and the removal of the Christmas lights and would have safely stored them again uh, for next year. And that was an arrangement that served places like Clannacilty and Skibbereen incredibly well because, you know, as you may know, Clannacilty itself became famous or very well known for the extraordinary display of Christmas lights that um, that were put up there. Stunning. And actually, they were stunning. The, and the parking gift, I suppose, of the town council, when, when it was announced uh, back in 2014 that the town councils would be winding down, the parking gift was that a brand new set of lights were bought for the town. And these these were revered all, all over the county. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, but the, obviously the direction that, that it's taken is Cork County Council have decided that this is something that they're, they're, they're pulling back from, that they want to withdraw from. And they're putting the onus back on the business community and the community itself to organise something and arrange something that, number one, is, is it's not cheap. It's expensive to do this right. It's expensive to do it properly and to get the level of, um, you know, uh, the, the, the beautiful light that we have there. It's, it's, not, it's not something that happens uh, for nothing. I keep hearing um, a figure of 35,000. That this, this is the estimated figure that I'm that I'm hear, hearing as well. But listen, I mean, I, I wouldn't be put off, or I, I wouldn't, um, uh, I suppose, put too much weight on that figure. In the end of the day, this is something that has to be done professionally. It has to be done in, in a safe manner. I mean, if you think of the different streets, main streets, the side streets in Clannacilty, which are all adorned with these beautiful lights. I mean, this isn't something that you're going to put up for nothing. So, I, I, I look. I wouldn't get hung up on the cost of it and, and, and the price of it, even though it, it, it will be difficult if Cork County Council do stick with their decision and, and not erect the Christmas lights. Okay, but and they're, for me, they're saying... The, for me, it's the principle Yeah, okay, Council but they're saying that they'll, back from the service. they'll give a grant. They'll give, is it 10,000? Yeah, they, they'll give a grant. And, and they'll, give, they'll give the people at Clam back their lights, will they? This, well, this is, a, this is a trend, I suppose, that's happening. Uh, where We've seen it with Tidy Towns, Patricia, where... Cork County Council, unfortunately, I mean, they, they do so many fantastic things. And I'm not getting at Cork County Council here. They do do wonderful things, whether it's housing, they have a wonderful library service. They, they, right throughout the Bible County, they're doing great things. But there's a worrying trend, and a trend that I would love to see reversed, is that they're pulling back from these basic services. And their answer uh, tends to be, we're going to give the community a grant, and, you know, we'll wash our hands of it, and we'll let, we'll, we'll let the uh, community deal with it. Tidy Tones would be the perfect example, where we're seeing less um, outdoor staff on the ground doing the basics. The basics that we knew uh, that the council were excellent at, whether it was tidying streets, whether it was maintaining town parks. And unfortunately, throughout a lot of West Cork towns, we're seeing um, these uh, amenities deteriorate. And it's because those outdoor staff are no longer there in the numbers that were there. And their answer, Patricia, is to give a grant of 10,000 to the local tidy towns group um, and, and let the volunteers do, do the work. And, and it's, it's volunteers. Stay, it's not stay, fair to put that weight uh, okay. and responsibility on people. Just staying on the Christmas lights, though, uh, because seemingly the same thing happened in Skibbereen last year. And I'm told Helen Dempsey, who is co-chair of Skibbereen uh, Chamber of Commerce, is on the other line. Uh, good morning to you, Helen. Good morning, Patricia. Helen, How are you? I'm very well, thank you. The town of Skibbereen was in the same situation that Clan finds itself in this year. You found out last year that the yeah. Cork County Council were, go- were not going to go ahead with the lights. Just about four weeks before the lights should be going up, they informed us that uh, they wouldn't be doing it this last year. Um, they would give us 10000 in a grant, but um, we would have to find somebody to put them up and take them down ourselves. Now, it put us in a dreadful position last year because the, no- the time scale was so short. Um, we had a huge problem to get a um, contractor to do so. 
and also a huge shortfall in the cost. Um, so what did you do? So we did. We started to be conjoled and most contractors wouldn't touch it for us, but we did get one who um, kindly agreed to do so, as I said, at a shortfall to the 10,000 we received. But my worrying thing also is, I suppose, Patricia, is they've said they'll give us a grant of um, 10,000 this year. But my understanding, and I stand to be corrected, maybe Christopher there, um, that that amenity grant has to be match funded. So therefore, that means even if they give us more money or whatever, will we have to provide more money to receive that grant? And that's not possible for us um, as a non-profit organisation supported by the local businesses and the community. That's not, you know, I suppose we would say that the best solution would be if Cork County Council would come back on board again. The way they, the way they always, always did. The they lights. always did. Do you, know, the, do you know this funding had to be matched, Christopher? I don't think it is, and maybe that's a bit of relief there to Helen and to the other chambers. I don't think it has to be much funded. I, I think it's a, a, a yes. 10,000 euro grant, similar to the tidy towns, but it's the base, I mean... But did, they, did the 10,000 cover it, Helen? Um, not at all. No. I mean, even this year, like, 10,000 won't even cover the erection of the lights. Not a mind, our parades, we do a, a display cabin on the bridge... Um, we do shop local campaign. It's no way to touch. So what? So what? You, are you out fundraising? Are you depending on the businesses to to come up with the money? Um, we're we're hoping to to try and do some fundraising. Now we have walked the streets. My other co-chair and myself trying to get business who are not committed to it to to sign up um, as well, or else to give a donation to the lights. But we will have to fundraise. There's no way we can find that kind of funding. But you see. You see what's going what's going on here, Patricia, and this is exactly what it's resulting in. Is like Helen is doing her role, a fantastic role in in uh, Skibreen uh, Chamber on a voluntary basis. Um, you know they organise things like the Skibreen Arts Fest. They organise things like the Taste of West Cork, mostly on a voluntary basis. In Clonakilty, we have the fantastic Christmas festival that um, had been done on a voluntary basis, and we have the, the Street Fest, which is all done voluntary. And this is all done by the Chambers of Commerce, the Tidy Towns. Uh, the volunteers on the ground, the businesses mainly who put their heart and souls into these festivals. I know they're being asked to, to come up and volunteer and find time in between running their businesses, in between trying to feed their families, and it's kind of being put back on them. And all I'm asking for is that in the case of Skibbereen and in Clannacilty, that we reverse this trend and that Cork County Council, you know, what, why fix what's not broken. Yeah, okay, and we've reached out we've we've reached out to Cork County Council. I know we emailed them yesterday, we've emailed them again this morning just to get the reasoning behind all of this. But also, is this wide across the board with every town across Cork County Council? Yeah, it it, it appears to be the case. Is it? Okay. Okay, So every other other town are going to have to either do the same thing or else they're not going to have Christmas lights this year. Can I I ask you, Helen, and I'm sure this has gone through, through your head, what are you and other businesses paying rates for? Well, that's what we're wondering. <laughs> you know, because we're I'm involved here for a long time here in the Chamber of Commerce and we work with the tidy towns like and our they're pulling back from us all the time. It's passed more on to the volunteers. We have to even just down to watering the flowers and you know, all small jobs. But as Christopher says, we are, have our own businesses, we're working and Christmas would be our busy time as well, you know. That's it's very difficult for the volunteers to keep going. Yeah. Where does it stop? Where does it stop? 
awareness. I think, yes. Could I just ask a question? Sorry, no, for crossing you, Christopher. Mm. Could I just ask? I have this form in front of me, and it's, and it's the amenity fund we applied for. That's where we were advised to apply for the Christmas light grant this year. And it says on it, Christopher, the maximum amenity fund contribution for projects costing between 7 and 20. 5,000 or 50% of the cost of the project must be funded by the, the group. Um, mm. Are we taking that up wrong or...? Yeah, no, it, will, it, was, it was my understanding and when I was in the decision Cork County Council, I was more at the front face that immunity and community grants were upfront funding and they didn't require the same match funding with the likes of a leader grant. But certainly well, that's we'll, written I'll, into, I'll, the, I'll, into the application form. I'll, I'll certainly go over that. That, with, that, with sounds, that does yeah. sound like it needs to be matched. Yeah, which is, again, putting more, too, pressure, yeah. putting more pressure on businesses. But I think Helen made a really good point. She mentioned the word pulling back. Uh, and, you know, I already mentioned the example of the tidy towns. I mean, a, a basic function of local authority would have been for the provision of playgrounds and amenities for children. And, again, we're seeing groups in Clannacilty and Roscarry having to fundraise and go back to the same businesses to raise funds for playgrounds. And, you know, we saw the issue as well with, with, with the swimming pool in Dunmanway where it was a real battle to, to get that reopened. So I just really think that local authorities, particularly, and you know, in this situation to be the West Cork Municipal District, I would urge them to, to, to kind of look at that and look at the services that they're asked, being asked to provide on the ground for the rate payers. I mean, they collect 180 million in rates from business. But obviously Cork Park. County Council will say we're not collecting enough. Does it go back to central government? You're a member of government. Does central government have to give more money to the likes of Cork County Council? You know, it's quite often it's, you know, I'm, I'm well used to know in, in, in my role as a government uh, TD uh, to being held to account uh, and to be asked to answer for, you know, underfunding from central government. But the funding from central government towards local authorities has, has increased. The take in rates for Cork County Council has increased from 2021 uh, to 2022. So there's an increase in the take of rates. We can't um, always point the finger back at central. So it's how they're spending it, is what you're saying. Lo- local authorities have have a role. They've had they've had this uh, role for decades, where they provide basic amenities and basic services on the ground. Their rate take has increased. Businesses are paying on average more rates uh, per year, and all businesses are asking for is basic yeah. services like the. Bit of fairness. Like bit of fairness. Okay. Okay, we we await a reply from Cork County Council. In the meantime, folks, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Uh, Good morning to you. That is uh, West Cork, Fianna Fáil, Dáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan, who lives in Clonakilty and also from Skibbereen, co-chair of the Skibbereen Chamber of Commerce, Helen uh, Dempsey, on that news that it looks like Cork County Council are pulling out of putting up the lights. It's going to be up to all individual towns because actually Councillor Ian Doyle has already been on from Charleville to say in the good people of Charleville, he says, we've always put up our own Christmas uh, lights ourselves. We do get a grant from the council, but only for that grant, the Christmas lights would not go up. We would love, says Councillor Ian Doyle in Charleville, uh, if the council did get involved because with inflation going up and electricity charges, didn't think of that this year, it's going to have an impact. Thank you for that, Christopher, to 0818 103 103. Let's take a break. News at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your calls and texts coming into the programme just on water 
uh, first still getting in texts from people on the south side of Mallow somebody saying I've been without water since half half seven last night wondering how long it's going to be out we've heard nothing I signed a regular listener to the programme where we announced that I don't know if you were tuned in we announced at the top of the programme there's uh, Irish water say repairs to a burst water main is affecting supply to parts of Mallow Ballydeheen Quartertown and the surrounding areas they're working on it and they reckon about two o'clock today water will be back in those areas so for that listener who's been without since half seven another little while and your water should be back with you and then talking about Irish water when we were uh, talking about it in the last hour and we Julian from Ballyhas uh, talking about the supply issue that she's been living with for the last 10 years since she's been living in that uh, area and she raised the issue that when water charges came out she had no problem at all she paid for her water and said look if paying if we all pay water charges and we get a proper decent system by paying for it she thought it was worth paying the money uh, Mike is in County Limerick and he said Irish water are like the banks they want to privatise Irish water uh, Mike says there were three serious leaks within a kilometre of my house it's been ongoing for about nine months I've reported them no less than six occasions to Irish water I even got on to local councillors guess what all to no avail says Mike and that I think is what frustrates people when I started at the top of the programme this morning mentioning that uh, Irish water are asking people to conserve water and don't be out watering the flowers and they made the point that the gardens will look after themselves and will sort themselves out but saying we all need to conserve water and to report leaks and there's our Mike in County Limerick six times and also getting on to councillors and nothing has been done about it and just on the Julie's point from Bally Hass about paying for your water, a listener says, I agree 100% with Julie from Ballyhas about paying for water charges. As unfortunately, some people at the time and still think you can just turn on your tap and the water will come out of it because it costs a lot of money in order for that water to come out of that pipe in order for it to be safe for you and I to drink. Why should private householders with their own wells, which they have to pay for sinking the well, they have to pay for maintaining uh, the pump, why should they have to do that while others who live in areas where their water is supplied from the council can expect to have their water for nothing? I think it, and they think it is one of their rights. We should be paying for water as indeed happens in other cons. Are we going to get back to water charges debates? 0818103103. And then the other issue that has people commenting this morning, the Christmas lights with the news that Cork, that uh, Cork County Council have contacted the town of Clonakilty. And I have a feeling listening to the West Cork Dáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan. This is going to be right across the board. Any town that has lights that has been supplied by the council I'm assuming that every town is going to be in the very same boat as what happened to Skibbereen last year with only four weeks notice to try to get their Christmas lights. Clannacilty have a little bit of a longer lead in time but it's still going to cause a lot of headaches uh, for them. Dennis reckons the Catholic Church should be the one contributing towards the Christmas uh, lights. They should be asked to stump up the money Uh, Secondly, says Dennis, we might be facing an electricity shortage this winter. These lights are a luxury. Okay, two points there. On the church, I don't know the putting up of Christmas lights in towns, how much of that is actually celebrating the Christian side of Christmas. I think the church might have an issue with you on that one, uh, Dennis. But I think your second point is one that I, I think we're going to all have to bear in mind. We're already hearing that we could have electricity outages 
during the winter months with everything that's going on at the moment. So that could become, that certainly could become an issue, even though most of the Christmas lights in the last number of years are those wonderful LED displays that we're told don't use as much electricity as others. And then people from other towns like Ian, Councillor Ian Doyle from Charleville, who says the council have never been involved in putting up the lights in Charleville. They've, they've always do it themselves. Other areas contacting us. Somebody says in Middleton, the businesses have been doing the Christmas lights for the last number of years nothing new to us in Middleton and then somebody from Castletown Bear says Patricia Castletown Bear has never had the Christmas lights put up stored or erected by Cork County Council it's always been done by the local Castletown Bear Business Association they started it back in 1996 and it continues to this day by the Castletown Bear Development Association. They do it on a voluntary basis and they do, according to this listener, occasionally get grant aided by Cork uh, County Council. But it was one of the points I made when we were talking with Helen from, from Skibbereen. You know, what to the, who, who's with the Chamber of Commerce there? The business community pay out a lot of money in rates every year and, you know, Christopher Sullivan had the figures that come in on, on rates. You would think the part of the rates at least recover the cost of the Christmas lights. Doesn't look like it's certainly going to be for, and, and it's one of the questions we've asked Cork County Council, will any town in Cork County Council still have the lights put up, erected by Cork County Council and then taken down by Cork County Council and stored by Cork County Council. Uh, we're waiting to hear back on that one. And Councillor Declan Hurley has contacted us. He's been listening to our discussion this morning and he says that he sympathises with the current situation being proposed by Cork County Council. Now he's chairperson of the West Cork Municipal District and he said he will support and request towns to meet with the executive of Cork County Council in the coming months to try to resolve this issue and he wants to see some kind of a workable plan put in place and that's from Councillor Declan Hurley. Thank you for that uh, Helen and I think we also need to try and get clarity on what Helen was saying. They got a grant last year this €10,000 from Cork County Council but they're now applying for the grant for this year to put towards the lights but judging by what she read out to us from the application for it it does look like they need to come up with 50-50 funding on it and we need to get some kind of clarification on that as well so hopefully we'll have something back from the uh, council 0818103103 and those texts were coming into 0862103103 and seeing as we're talking about water and the possibility that we may have some water restrictions if this long dry period uh, continues and you know we've got our, we've got Met Aaron saying that temperatures in this country were told to brace for temperatures up to 30 degrees it could be in some areas because the heat is building every single day you know it's getting warmer today warmer tomorrow Thursday is meant to be hotter Friday is meant to be hotter and right into uh, the weekend and that is then as we mentioned is going to lead to problems with uh, Irish water and but where where are we going forward when it comes to warm summers? Because last month, the month of July, now we would say in this country we didn't have the greatest of July. But when you look at globally, last month was the third hottest July globally on record. And experts are saying that the world must now accept that long periods of extreme heat are going to become even more common. And when Met Aaron were asked if the current heat wave that we're getting this week is that as a result of global warming. Now, they did say that it's difficult to attribute a single event to climate change. But they do say, Met Aaron, that spells of hot weather like what we're getting this week, this, this week 
are something we will be seeing more frequently as we continue to change the climate. And that's really going to continue as we move forward. Now, it seems that temperatures of 50 degrees Celsius in Europe are now inevitable because of global warming. There's been a couple of near 50 degrees already this summer, but they reckon year on year, that's what we can expect across Europe. The high temperatures, of course, then lead to disruption in agriculture and to other industries. Matt of course, warning people to take care during the forthcoming hot uh, spell where, where temperatures are going to be in the mid to high 20s every single day and we're going to have extremely warm nights. So how many of these heat waves have we had in recent years? There was a piece in the Irish Times on this uh, this morning. And remember, for this to be classed as a heat wave, we have to have five consecutive days with temperatures above 25 degrees. Now, they are reckoning that that's going to happen this week. So it will officially go down as a heat wave in August of 2022. But looking back, the Irish Times look back at previous years. Uh, July of last year, and I just don't remember July of last year being being particularly warm, but seemingly it was, it was last year that Met Aaron issued the first ever status orange high temperature warning and they did it for six counties. We didn't have it here in Cork so maybe that's one of the reasons that I don't remember it. But there was parts of Ireland last year in July that topped 30 degrees in some areas. So 2018, the summer of 2018 was one of the warmest and driest on records in Ireland and indeed for most of North Western Europe during which time heat waves were recorded at 15 stations in this country. The highest weather was in Oak Park Weather Station in Carlow. They had an 11-day heat wave in late uh, June. Then you've got to go back to 2006. So we go from 2018 back to 2006. Hottest spell in Ireland was in mid-July. Temperatures in 2006 went to 32.3 degrees. That was in County Roscommon on the 19th of July that year. Kilkenny that year had 29 consecutive days in July where temperatures exceeded 25 degrees, nine of which were above the 25, which uh, made it a heat wave for that part of the country. So from 2006, go back to 2003, we had sweltering heat in August of 2003. And I really remembered that it's funny you know when an event happens in your life that you remember it and it was the year that um, my father-in-law passed away so I certainly remember that summer and it was a scorcher and the weather between the 4th and the 8th of August temperatures topped 25 degrees so there was a heat wave there and then the hot weather remained uh, in place and it was it was above 15 degrees at night with those really sticky nights as well. So then 2003, you've got to go back to 1995. Summer of 1995 was one of the warmest on records. Kilkenny again, it's, it's right bang in the midland, isn't it? 27 days where temperatures exceeded 25 uh, degrees and the highest temperature in 1995 was 30.8 on the 2nd of August. Then back to the 80s, 1983. Again, I had a sister got married this year, so that's a year it's, again that I remember. Two heat waves were experienced in Ireland that year. The first was from the 10th of July to the 16th and then there was a second longer one which ran from the 15th of August to the 26th of August. Now, the July heat wave in 1983 
did see water shortages emerge as extreme heat caused drought conditions in 1983. And then in the 70s, it's 1976 for those that remember it. By the time it ended, it was a three month heat wave during the summer of 1976 and it caused the worst drought in 150 years in some parts of the country. And the top temperature was recorded in County Offaly, 32.5 uh, degrees. Will we set a new record this week? Only time will tell. But certainly Met Aaron are saying day on day, the temperature starts to get hotter and hotter and hotter. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A tipper truck driver is needed. This is in the McCroom area. Your contact is 086-877-4624. Senior traffic management operative is wanted for the North Cork area. Phone or message to 083-020-8471. Bar staff are required for the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. CVs please to info at hibernianhotelmallow.com. And it's for the attention of Michael, the bar manager. And ward personnel have vacancies for all types of carpenters. Call 021-233-9120. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Cove's newly formed LGBT plus group is set to make history later this month by staging the town's first ever Cove Pride event. To tell us all about it, I'm joined by Cove native Dara J. McCann. Hi, good morning to Dara. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. I'm very well. We haven't chatted to you in a long time, so it's good to talk. I suppose, firstly, tell me a little bit about the new group. Uh, I believe it was formed earlier this year. It was. Uh, I got an email to say that there's a coffee morning happening in February, and I went along with great excitement and arrived to find nearly 20 people um, gathered around to have a chat, to meet up in the safe space, and it was absolutely fantastic. And there had never been anything like that before in Cove? Never, never. And I never thought it would happen. I was hoping, of course, uh, you know, as a proud member of the LGBT community, but nothing had ever happened like this before. And I, I know a lot of people that would have left Cove for whatever reasons, but these are people who were not originally from Cove that decided Cove needs something. And I was so proud to be there. Do you see it very much as a support group for LGBT plus people living in the East Cork area? Absolutely, Patricia. And that was reflected in the age group profile of people that were there. I was probably the oldest at 49. There were people there in their late teens. And, and many of them that wouldn't be out um, in, as such, but they just felt that this was a great support network and that they would build up friends in the East Cork area. And for young people, Dara, um, can I say at 49, you're only a young one yourself, but for young people who have yet to, to come out, a real bonus uh, for them uh, ha- is having a group like this, isn't it? And to know that there is support for them and, and for their families. Absolutely, Patricia. And you're very kind too, by the way, you're only a young one yourself. 
But yes, like a lot of people would think of the major cities that there's support networks there. But when we think of the smaller towns, and I know myself growing up, I, I never had anybody that I could approach or talk to. And, you know, it's just great to have that sense that in a tight-knit community like Cove or Middleton or Yall, there's a great group in Yall, that there is that sense of community and that you're welcome and just be yourself. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. Come in, meet up. If you want to chat, fine. If you don't, and just observe, fine too. Do you think it would have helped you personally? Because, I mean, I know you came out as gay first. Uh, before then, you you came out really and identified as who you really were as, 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 as a transgender uh, woman. But do you think it would have helped you if you had known that there was, you know, a group like the group that has been recently formed? Absolutely, Patricia. And, like, I think of my late mum, who only died last November, when I came out to her as trans, the first thing she said to me, Dar, maybe we should set up and move out of Cove. And I said, why? I, I think you might find it hard in Cove. You know, you might get hurt. And I said, Mom, I'm not for running. I'm not going to hide anymore. I am who I am. People either accept me or they don't. I don't care anymore. i got to be me. I'm lucky because I'm older. But for younger people out there, they need that security. They need that sense of space. And sure, if there was this support in the locality, I would have done this journey many years ago. Yeah, it's. I mean, when I heard that that Cove had, had recently set up the group, it just got me thinking, every single town in Ireland should have a group like this. Absolutely. And, and there's no reason why it couldn't be. Now, there is a group called Seeding the County, and they're working with local groups in local towns. As I mentioned, you all have a great LGBT community down there. But again, it started from something small. It's like, you know, planting a seed, and from there it blooms. And that's what's happening in Cove, but it should be there in all the other towns around. Because when you say you made that decision, I'm not going to run, like the sad reality, Dara, is that... That's exactly what a lot of people have done and will probably continue to do if there isn't support available. Well, you know, it was brought home to me very clearly when I posted information about this Pride event in Cove. Um, somebody who left Cove many, many years ago sent me a private message and said, Dara, for the first time in my life, I can say I'm proud to be from Cove. And that's, that's the sad reality that dreadful. so many people have had to move. And from the very outset, when you when the group was set up, was it important that you would hold some kind of a, a pride event in the town to say, look, we're here. We're not hiding. We're here. Well, actually, it was the younger people that turned around and said, listen, we need to do something. Uh, yes, it's great to meet once a month for coffee and to sit around and chat. But we need to do something for the wider community. Let's not hide away in a little corner anymore. But we don't need to do something as expansive as, we'll say, the Pride Parade in Cork or in Dublin. Let's do something that has a family-friendly theme and let's see how it goes. So you've come up with an event that, that made me smile when I saw it because it's around the theme of the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. Tell me your plans. <laughs> Well, I, I suppose we're all a little bit mad, really. 
Um, it's going to take place in the community centre and we felt that, that was the right location because it's a safe space. And we're going to have music on the day. We have Katie Roses performing, Jack O'Leary, wonder, wonderful performer. Sinead Shepherd School of Dance are going to be there. We have face painting. I believe I might be giving a song. Oh, well, well, I was just going to say you couldn't have an event without without you singing. I know. I will. I will. I will share share a song or two on the day. But look, it's, this isn't about me. This is about everybody. This is about community coming together. We'll have food vendors. We, it's an alcohol-free event, but we will have coffee vendors as well. And it's just going to be a happy day where people can come in, meet each other. There'll be literature from Link and Tenny and all the different groups as well. So it's a come-to place, but with no pressure. Who, who are you hoping will attend? Who would you like to see attend? Obviously, I would like to see some of the people that have felt that they had to move away to come back and let's celebrate with them. But also for those young people that are questioning. Mm. Um, and I'm talking about, there's, there's no age limit on this, but I know there's a lot of younger teens are going through a lot of stuff at the moment. They're questioning their identity. They're questioning where they fit in in society. We want them to come along. And their families as well. There's nothing to be, how would I say it? There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Let's just celebrate the beauty of each person. Yeah, well, I, I think your your beautiful late mother's reaction to you coming out and saying, you know, look, mum, I'm I'm trans, I'm a transgender woman, and her initial reaction, you know, was to protect you and say, oh, we may need to move out out of Cove. We need families to know that attitudes are changing. Am I right in saying that? I think they are. Look, society has changed greatly in, in recent years. You know, we had the marriage referendum, we had the repeal of the Eighth Amendment. I suppose the biggest shadow that ever cast over Cove, and I'm not saying this in a nasty way, would have been the cathedral. And a lot of people would have, you know, assumed, you know, it's a religious town, you're not welcome. Thankfully, we've moved beyond that and we want to paint a more colourful, welcoming um, impression of Cove that everybody is welcome. Would would you like one day to see a a pride parade through the town? I think it would be absolutely fantastic. Um, Is it a necessity right now? Maybe not, but it's something to work toward. And I said that to the guys. I said, guys, let's start small and then we can work towards a pride parade where everybody in the community is involved. And for those people, like I get a lot of criticism, Patricia. People say to me, but you don't sound like a girl. Now, I had that on Live Line with Joe Duffy a few months ago, and Joe was very respectful. And I say to people, yeah, okay, my voice might be deeper than others, but that doesn't mean that I'm not who I am. So you don't have to be typecast. You don't have to fit into a certain role and just show the community that we're human beings too. We don't want any special treatment. We just want to be a part of the community that's come along and celebrate and find that we are very happy people. And Dara, how is life with you? I mean, you're on this journey to become your your true self. Uh, How is that journey going for you? That side of the journey is is going pretty well, but 
as you would have seen at the Pride of Cork Awards when I was a blubbering mess, I am struggling with the loss of my mum. She was my best friend. She was my soulmate. She said to me only a few days before she died, she said, Dar, promise me that you'll always be happy. I'm still trying to adjust to life without her. And I know listeners who have lost a loved one like that will understand what I'm saying. Grief is a horrible journey. It's the price of love. And I am struggling. But I will be who I was born to be. And the only one I ever needed to believe in me was my mum. And she did. And that's what's important. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, be, be kind to yourself and go easy on yourself. You, you know, your, your lovely mum isn't even a year dead. She's not, but she inspires me from the grave. I've just completed a 10 week course with UCC on an introduction to clinical pastoral education with Dr. Daniel Nuzum. And I just loved every minute of that. And I want to make a career out of working in pastoral care in hospitals. Okay. That's where I want to be. Okay. Okay. Well done. Well done. And, and, and good luck with that. Well, of course, you yeah. know. You'll, ne- you'll, never, you'll never leave the singing behind. Oh, no. Well, that's my number one passion. Yeah. And I just want to get out there again and sing for people. And I, just this morning, I was down the promenade in Cove and there were some tourists in from New York and there was a, a couple, the lady was in a wheelchair and the, the tyre came off the wheel. Right. And they were having difficulties. So I said, look, I'll give you a hand. And I started singing New York, New York, because I was fixing the wheel. <laughs> were, they de- were they delighted they were? Little did, they t- did I think that they were from New York. Oh, you didn't even know? Oh, sorry, I thought you knew. All right. No. Okay. okay. And, and come here, Cove busy, the tourist season? Ah, listen, Cove is just, it's buzzing. Uh, Spike Island is, is full every day. Yeah. There are buses in and out. We have the cruise ships back. There's a great positive warm buzz in Cove and particularly the weekends with the summer swing. And next weekend, we have the Cove People's Regatta. First time back since before lockdown. Yeah. And Cove is just a huge success story that's only going to get better. And it's a beautiful town as well. Beautiful town with beautiful people and you're one of them, Dara McGann. Listen, thank you for that and good luck with your event. It's on Sunday, August the 21st. It's in the Community Centre and it's open to one and all. We'll chat again, Dara. In the meantime, look after yourself. Patricia, you're a star and thank you to everyone to see one of three and congratulations with your recent JNLR figures. Oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. Thank you, Dara. God Take bless. Care. Bye-bye. Uh, 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. We've been talking on the programme over the last uh, couple of weeks about cash being king with everything that went on with the AIB Bank and they trying to go uh, cashless. So I read with great interest this morning that the government is to consider giving the central bank powers to regulate the operators of ATM machines. Now, seemingly what has happened is there are concerns being raised by the central bank that three out of every four ATM machines in the country at the moment are now owned or are operated by what they call as unregulated cash distribution companies. And the reason for this is there's been a massive shift by the banks to outsource their ATM machines. And there's some interesting statistics. By the end of this year, 
just 25% of all of the ATM machines around the country will actually belong to the banking system. And if you go back to just 2015, which isn't that long ago, 100% of all the ATM machines in this country were under bank ownership. But by the end of this year, that will be at just about 25%. Bank of Ireland and AIB, they sold a combined 1,200 ATM machines and the central bank are saying they're unregulated operators in the past three years. And it's it's just been revealed this week that an ATM machine has actually been taken out of the doll. Now, the operators say that just €200 Euro was withdrawn from it over one four week period last year so they've decided that there's just <laughs> nobody in the doll wants to have cash so they, they got rid of the ATM machine there. Uh, in December of 2020 Bank of Ireland sold 700 non-branch ATMs and they sold it to a company called Euronet and actually if you, if you get money out of a machine a lot of them are operated by Euronet. They're one of the biggest operators of cash machines in this country. Now at the time in 2020 Euronet gave a three year commitment not to introduce new fees for using the ATM machines and that three year period is nearly up and that I think is what people worry about when the banks themselves are not operating the ATMs and they sell them on these people are doing it they're not doing it so that we can all get money out of an ATM machine these businesses are there to make money so let's see at the end of that three year period will new fees be introduced in 2018 then Ulster Bank they sold off their cash machines uh, the ones that they had in store again it went to Euronet AIB sold off a network of more than 500 of the non-branch ATMs they sold them to Brinks that was in 2020 again at the time Brinks promised that bank customers would receive the same level of service without incurring any additional fees of cha- or charges when using the ATMs. But will it be the same going forward? So there's been a submission made to the Department of Finance, their retail banking review. And the central bank have said that the sale of so many ATMs to unregulated operators meant the cash distribution and fulfilment was now dominated by companies that the central bank simply does not oversee. So the situation is posing challenges for people who need to access cash and for cash for consumers. And obviously all of these submissions, by the way, they happened even before AIB's decision last month to try to take the 70 make 70 of the branches cashless and of course due to the massive backlash they got they had to change their minds on that even though AIB were at pains to point out that there had been a 36% decline in cash withdrawals from ATMs so this submission has nothing to do with that this submission went in before what AIB decided to announce last month. So the central bank submission document is suggesting that the Department of Finance considers considers introducing helpful legislation and state interventions that seemingly other countries have implemented and the reason they do it is to deal with what's called fragmentation in their cash system. So the central bank said it was committed to the ongoing availability of cash as a means of payment. And remember the central bank are always pains to point out that cash is legal tender so technically can't be uh, refused. But the central bank suggested that commitment was under threat because of these so-called independent ATM deployers which are not regulated and now essentially run the ATM networks in this country. The submission concedes that cash use, it has fallen 
about two thirds to what its pre-pandemic level was. And they've given some figures on this. Nearly 20 billion euro in withdrawals was made before the pandemic. That was in 2019. But then when you look at last year, that's down to, they say, just 13 billion. But still 13 billion to me is a lot of money in uh, circulation. Now, they're reckoning it'll never go back to what it did before the pandemic. It's unlikely to recover. But I still think two thirds of people going on that 20 billion before the pandemic and 13 billion after the pandemic. It still means that two thirds of consumers still want to deal with cash and still want to take money out of an ATM machine and the central bank accept that cash remains an important means and choice of payment for many consumers right across the EU area it's not just here in Ireland cash plays a vital role in ensuring the financial services needs of vulnerable those vulnerable people those who don't have a bank account and there are and will always be those that are not digitally active and therefore can't always go online can't always do their banking online and like to deal only in cash. So they were asked if there was any plans to ensure that the unregulated cash distribution companies that run the ATMs, is there any chance that they'd be brought into the regulatory net? And the Department of Finance say that the Retail Banking Review public consultation highlighted that Irish banks have been exiting from the market for the provision of out-of-branch ATMs. So the department said that the central bank's submission is now being considered by that Retail Banking Review team and the draft Retail Banking Review report. God, we're great for reports. That'll be sent to the Minister for Finance in November of 2022. So it's kind of one of those things we need to watch this space. But I think it's good that the central bank are highlighting and realising that what was 100% ownership of ATMs in this country has suddenly, by the end of this year, will have dropped to just a quarter of them being owned by the ATA, by, by the actual banks. And I suppose the big fear is that, you know, OK, they can pull an ATM out of Dáil Air and that's in the middle of Dublin, so there isn't that much of an inconvenience to somebody if the ATM machine has been removed from Dáil Air and they can probably go across the road and there'll be another ATM machine. But my fear would be if you get very rural, small rural areas that mightn't have a lot of people using the ATM machines will some of these companies who are in it to, for profit obviously their their businesses will they start withdrawing the ATM machines and then you'll have areas where they will be sort of similar to what was going to happen with AIB going cashless where you'll have areas that people will have to travel many many miles if they want to take money out of a machine or if they want to access uh, an ATM machine. And of course, the add on to that is going to be the introduction of extra fees, which means every time somebody goes to take money out of a machine, it's going to be costing them more and more. And of course, a lot of that then ties in with encouraging people to do everything online, you know, with the theory being, oh, it's going to be cheaper. You won't have all of the charges. But as many people pointed out, when you're tapping with your card, you're getting charged every time as well. And it's one of the reasons that people like to deal only in cash because they know exactly how much they have. And if you take money out of a machine, even if there is a charge, it's a once off charge and you're not going to have subsequent charges every time uh, you tap to uh, pay. So we'll wait and see what report comes back to the finance minister. And will some regulation come in to the people that are currently now running? 75% of our ATM machines are run by organisations that are commercial businesses and that they are not within the banking system. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 
to 0862103103. And I've been asked to give a mention for the Roscarbery Family Festival, which is currently underway. They started on August 5th and they're running through until next Sunday the 14th. And they have an evening of dancing at the Celtic Ross Hotel tomorrow night, Wednesday the 10th of August. And music is with Patrick O'Sullivan. And tickets are available from the Festival Committee are from the hall. So if you would like an evening of dancing, get your dancing shoes on and you're in the Roscarbery area tomorrow night. Celtic Grass Hotel. Uh, doors will open at nine and tickets are priced at 15 euro and it's all part of the Roscarbery Family Festival underway as we speak. On post have had to come out and uh, issue a general warning to the public about yet another text message or smishing scam which is targeting customers and of course the, the whole aim is to try to get people to really to reveal their financial details to the scam artist and actually we had one of our listeners who had sent us on an email and we realised from the email that one of our listeners had clicked on the link and had done everything that the scam artist had asked her to do so we had to get back to her immediately to say you need to contact your bank ASAP now the latest one for, for purporting to come from Unpost is a text message in which you are told you have to pay an outstanding delivery fee. Now, the thing is that they ask you to pay what is a very small fee. Now, the, the figures are used, they're all under €2. Euro. It'll either be 190 195 or 199 And the fraud target is, instructs you to click on a link within the text. And then when you click on the link, they ask you then to e- enter your debit or your credit card details so you can pay this 199 fee that's due on a parcel that they're about to deliver to you. And of course, if you don't pay it, you won't get the parcel. Scam. There isn't a parcel at all on the way. Now, when you click on the link, the page actually resembles one from Unpost's real website. And this is what's sucking people in. And this is what's leading people to believe it genuinely is from Unpost. The aim of the scam obviously has nothing to do with getting the 199 payment from you. The aim is to get and they they deliberately set the fee very low increasing the likelihood that somebody will pay thinking it's only 199 and all my parcel has been held up and I need to get my parcel but of course it's nothing to do with that all they are trying to do is copy your card details some versions of the text appear to be sent from an Irish mobile number Uh, they, they can come from the prefix 083 others are from 086 some are from 087 but what's even more worrying some of them appear to come from Unpost itself and some of the messages as I say are displaying the Unpost logo in another incident the text had appeared in threads containing legitimate messages from Unpost I, honest to God these scam artists are just getting better and better at what they do now Unpost are saying look we're 100% aware of this and we know and can tell you it is a scam they are saying please never give away sensitive financial uh, details and that they say a lot of businesses are contacting them because they've been affected by this uh, scam. The scam artists are hitting obviously on post customers but even some of the workers within on post have been getting these uh, text messages for on post themselves. It's taking up valuable time and resources because they are obviously constantly now responding to inquiries. They're also trying to tackle the scammers. The texts often, as I say, carry the on post logo and therefore that makes people think 
that it is genuinely coming from an Imposta account, but of course it's not. Imposta reminding the public it will never, ever, ever send you a text message asking you for payment of fees or asking for any of your personal details. The source of the scams and the methods used by the scammers, they say it's changing all of the time. They have been successful in the past in getting some of the scams closed down. But, you know, as soon as they get one scammer closed down, they'll they'll pop up and start somewhere else. The work is continuing, but it's fair to say such scam attempts are becoming a feature now, sadly, in all of our lives. And what do we need to do? Remain consistent. uh, constantly vigilant and uh, and also we need to tell other people and a guard the spokesperson is always saying that they're encouraging members of the public to spread awareness of the scam particularly to older and vulnerable members of uh, and friends and let other people know that these scams are there and that's why we will never tire of reminding people that there are so many scams at the moment so we'll be very careful of that it's one coming from on post saying you have to pay for a fee for an outstanding delivery fee it is a scam get rid of it AS SAP. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. We're going to take a break. We've news at 12 midday on the way. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Tomorrow is going to be an exciting day uh, here at C103 because tomorrow is a free Westlife Wednesday because Westlife are coming to Cork. They're going to be here Friday and Saturday next, 12th and uh, 13th. And we have tickets to get you there for free on our Westlife uh, Wednesday. We're giving tickets away tomorrow all day. How will we do it? You're going to have to listen out for a Westlife song at various stages throughout the day tomorrow. We'll play tracks from Westlife as then we don't tell you when. That's the big key. When you hear the Westlife song, you simply text or WhatsApp the song title. So you're going to have to have heard the song, know what the name of the song is, text it in along with your name and address and then you will be in with a chance to win. So you can grab your tickets to Westlife all day tomorrow only here on C103 but it'll be by text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Actually, just talking of uh, WhatsApp, WhatsApp, it's to allow users to leave group chats without notifying others. And uh, they're also going to control who can see when they're online. It's part of a new privacy update on to the messaging app. And WhatsApp has become such a popular messaging uh, app. It's part of a new update that they're going to be rolling out this month. Users will also have the ability to block people from taking screenshots of you once messages, which are obviously designed to disappear after being opened. But the screenshot blocking tool is currently being tested and that's going to be released to uh, users later on. But what's going to be run out uh, later this month is the fact that when you leave a group chat, at the moment what happens is you leave the group chat and a notification appears at the bottom of the conversation to say Patricia has left the group chat and then everybody knows you've left and if there's an argument going on why has she left the group chat now oh, there's something going on there and for some people they won't leave a group chat because they don't want to be seen as one of as somebody is, le- is leaving in case it's going to raise suspicions etc and while users are already able to turn off um, a feature that tells others if they've read a message it hasn't been possible 
vulnerable until now to hide the fact that a user is online when they're actually using WhatsApp. So the Meta-owned messaging platforms say that the new features aim to their aim to keep improving the privacy around online uh, conversations. So I think that's going to be welcomed by a lot of people. And that update, as I say, due to come out later on this month, where you can leave a group chat, but you don't have to notify everybody else in the group chat that you have actually left it. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three, or you can text or WhatsApp me to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Some of your comments coming into the program. Dan is agreeing with Mike from Limerick, who when we mentioned about. Irish water and he feels that they're trying to privatise water and if they privatise water what will that lead to? That will lead to water charge. Mike in Limerick is right says Dan and no way says Dan would he ever pay for water and it's funny because again we've had comments in from people all morning this morning particularly people who have private wells and therefore have to pay for their own water saying they can't understand why people expect water to be for free. John says, Patricia, every time we get a few warm days of weather, it's always been put down to global warming. We're told we must reduce our admissions. That's what's coming from Eamon Ryan. We're only a very small fish in the sea when you look at the global world stage. Nobody says John is looking at Ukraine and the pollution that's going on there for the last six months. Well, please, John, you're not blaming that on the Ukrainians are they anyway God help us all says John we're told we all have to move to electric cars they're telling us we'll have to cull our national herd people should download the flight tracker app on their phones that'll open your eyes to the amount of planes that are in the sky all over the world at any one time pouring fuel down on top of us what about all of their emissions Eamon Ryan needs to look at the bigger picture says John and stop picking on the small fish and John says that's what we are in the scheme of things we are the small uh, fish and uh, hi uh, Patricia we, with, the, with the cost of electricity this is to do with the Christmas lights why not reduce solar powered Christmas lights this year this listener says I left my lights up in my garden all year round and they're still so pretty and they're still working so they were solar powered I have solar powered lights in my garden as well and I absolutely love the twinkling uh, lights uh, and after a place they don't last very long do they I'm always trying to invest in a good decent set of solar lights that last a long time but if I get two years out of a set I think I'm doing well but mostly it's every year I seem to be re- replacing some of them but I love I do love my, my solar powered lights would they work for the lights for in towns for Christmas though with the, I suppose with the LED you don't need a lot of solar power to get the LED ones up and running certainly with the cost of electricity it is something that should be looked at now would they be in would it be very expensive at the start investing in them but yeah I think if electricity costs keep rising and if we're threatened with power outages then we might, might have no Christmas lights at all and then I can't get over thank you for your text I can't get over the number of uh, people who when I mentioned about on post have had to come out and issue a warning about this scam that really is doing the rounds uh, purporting to be from on post and sometimes it comes it comes from what looks like an unpost telephone number an unpost thread telling people that they've a package due and there's outstanding charges and it's under 2 euro 199 190 195 that kind of figure but of course all they're looking for is your private details can't get over the number of people received that uh, text message Mary said I was listening to you I got the exact same text that you're talking about only yesterday I have uh, deleted it and many other texts similar to that from people saying yeah there's a lot of those texts doing the rounds 
at the moment. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And a reminder to you that every Monday afternoon, Griffin's Pub in Scanakilla are holding a Seniors Day with live entertainment and a talent competition, with the winner receiving a €1,000 that they can donate to a local charity of their choice. Shambadi Moore Bingo is on tonight. They have a jackpot of €2,500. 48 calls or less, all are welcome. And Ballinhasic Community Development Association are holding a clothes collection in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic throughout the month of August. Now, it's to raise funds for the Marion Hall car park. Bags can be dropped off from today right up to the 27th of August. Now, the collection days are Tuesdays and Thursdays, so this evening, between seven and half past eight, and then they're there every Saturday in August from half two to four o'clock. They're looking for used, re-wearable clothing, shoes, bags, towels, sheets, blankets, curtains, and duvet covers, but they can't accept duvets or pillows, uh, please. And cork craft and design, annual showcase exhibition will the old mill in Castletown Roach it's running right throughout the month of August up to and including the 28th of August and the opening hours are Thursday to Sunday from 10am to 5pm Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie we've been talking about Irish water and people in Mallow still waiting for water to be reconnected because of that burst water main earlier on. A listener in Kilavollen who's been away for a while is just back in Kilavollen is wondering about the water supply in their area. Just checked in with John Paul and that boil water notice is still in place in uh, Kilavollen just to let people in Kilavollen know. Now all last week we had a huge reaction to our daily prizes of tickets and a meal for two to go and see the Everyman's Summer Production this year which is an adaptation of John B. Keane's novella Letters of a Country Postman. Well I'm I'm delighted to say that the postman in question, Maki Fondu, a.k.a. Ty Kiki, uh, joins me to chat about the production. Good morning. Good afternoon to you, Ty. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm, I'm very well, uh, thank you. I suppose for people who've never read the book, how would yeah. you describe Maki Fondu? Well, OK, so he's, I think there's an awful lot of uh, depth to him, right? He's a very deep man, and that kind of comes out in the letters an awful lot. And he's also deadly serious about being a postman. Like, he takes, it's almost sacred to him. So, um, for instance, he's got, like, 12 rules in the in the show of, like, you can't break any, they're almost like the 12 commandments, or the 10 commandments for a postman. And one of them is that, like, you never, ever let, somebody who, like, show somebody else a letter that's belonged to someone else, for instance. You know, like, you never let, you hold all the secrets in your hand when you have that letter and you don't tell anyone else about it. So he takes it very, very seriously. He's a little bit lonely in the show when we meet him because his wife is away and he also feels a bit weighed down by um, everyone in the community goes to him with their problems. Um, So he's a little bit weighed down by that. And then he gets this, he develops this relationship with this woman whose um, husband has left her behind and he tries to help her out as best he can and he kind of gets a little bit hurt in the process. So there's so much to him, really. There's an awful lot of depth. And as I say, the secrets and the the inner longings and yearnings and stuff come out in the letters in a way that they, you know, they wouldn't in normal conversation. Was he likeable? 
Oh God, yeah, he's very yeah. likable, but he's kind of like the, he's almost like the straight character. <clears throat> excuse me, because most of the characters around him like are can be kind of quite ridiculous. So it's it's a lot of them are funny, and uh, the other actors in the show are playing a lot of the comedic characters, and I'm just playing this uh, guy who a lot of the time is kind of just holding it together and is kind of the straight role. So that's an unusual departure for me. To absolutely, be honest, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> is it all? Is it also a very big undertaking to adapt a book into a play for live theatre? Yeah, I think, I mean, some of the other plays have letters in them as well, and people people do enjoy watching letter writing, but I think what Sophie has done is she's maintained, retained, I should say, one or two of the the really important letters, and other than that, then she has kind of created dialogue out of a lot of the other ones. So she, she's literally brought the letters to light, which I think is amazing. Um, so, like, obviously, like, in a lot of the letters just refer to characters, but most of them are brought to life in this, so... I think if somebody's coming to see it and they want to see a traditional John B. Keane uh, production, they will get that. And then if somebody wants to come and see something with a little bit of new stuff in it as well, a little bit of contemporary theatre, they'll get that as well. So it's a brilliant evening. Like, it's got singing, it's got dancing. It also, I should say, has a musician called Danny O'Mani, who I think is one of Ireland's most well-taught of traditional musicians. He's from North Kerry. And I, I genuinely would say the, the, the ticket price is worth it just to see him alone because yeah, he's so incredible and he plays live over two hours in the show. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, and that's another unusual slant uh, on, yeah. it, on it as well. And it's, it's set over one eventful summer. Can, yeah. you, can you talk to us about some of the other characters that feature? Yeah, so there's um, the, the post-mistress is this lovely woman called Katie Kirsty, and she's kind of one of these kind of rural Irish rogues and... Um, she looks after the post, but she also is very interested in reading the secrets within them. So she tends to open them. She steams open the letters, reads the contents, and oh. then she <laughs> then she puts them back together using uh, some some uh, uh, gum. And also, she she tends to flatten the letters back together using her large left buttock. <laughs> um, so so she's she's great crack. And then there's there's like there's a character called the Bugler McNulty, for instance, who's another postman, and um, he's more interested in kind of going on the booze than delivering letters. So he doesn't use a bike. What he uses is a bugle. So he kind of gives blasts of the bugle. He gives three blasts for house number three and six for house number six and stuff. So it's, there's a young uh, postman called Frank as well. So he's starting off his journey. He's from Cork. And my character is finishing his journey after 50 years in service. And I'm kind of like his mentor and trying to, to avoid him getting snagged by marriage when he's too young. Um, so I won't tell you how that ends. Okay. Whatever, but yeah, it's a real raucous evening, really. And the first two nights we've done, there's an awful lot of laughter. And it's um, it's, uh, it's 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 the seventies, is it? Is it set? Yeah, it's set in the mid seventies, but but the writing is um like there's there's lots of stuff that applies to today as well, which is amazing. Like like kind of there's um there's elements of like climate change in it. Like John B. Keane at one point is talking about the river getting dirtier and snaggier every season, and he wonders will the salmon be able to come up the river at all, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, so it it really applies to today as well. I think it's. And like having done a couple of nights, but now you realise just how strong the writing is. Like you don't really have to do an awful lot with it. It just stands for itself. And the audience are really responding to it. Like he's obviously a master, master of his craft. Yeah. And of course, the setting of it in, in the 70s, a, a different era in many ways. The sending yeah. of French letters in the post. <laughs> yeah. Now, can, I, a... can I just say to a younger crew here in the radio station, yeah. we, I had to explain what a French letter was. Yeah. 
this is it. Well, actually, we're doing that in the show. We're also showing what French letters are before oh. we drop the punchline. Yeah, because Gay we Burn were to be, the younger Gay audience Burn to be proud. Gay Bird would be proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's a really strong scene as well. Uh, Maddie, another actor in the show, she's superb. She plays a character called Dick Cavill. He's kind of like my boss. And when he finds French letters uh, being moved in the post, he he just he destroys them in a very um, a, a wonderfully large scene involving fire. And and that happened. They, they've, 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 yeah, that happened. <laughs> it's, it's mad. It's, it's you know it isn't it, is, it isn't that uh, long ago. And what I really no. love, and I heard this about the you mentioned um, subject director. Mm. She listened to the everyman's audience and says, you know, what would you like? And they yes. predominantly came back with John B. We just all love the works of John B. Exactly. And I just think that's brilliant from Sophie as well, that rather than coming in and just doing her own thing straight away, literally the first thing she did when she came in was to introduce herself to the people of Cork and the audience, the everyman audience, and say, what would you like? And more often than not, people have said, geez, we'd love to see John B. We haven't seen a John B. in there for a while. So she said, let's do a John B. I think that's great. And she's... She's got lots of other different initiatives and policies like that as well that's kind of like bringing Cork in in a way that I, yeah, I just think it's, it's fantastic, really. Like, it feels like it's everyone's theatre again now. Yeah, and you know why we all love The Field and Big Maggie and, you know, all the rest of the great uh, John B. Keynes. Yeah. I, I thought, really great that she's gone with something completely different. Yeah, I think so. Just, like, just to put her own spin in it yeah, to find something well that they mightn't have seen before. Exactly. That's yeah. and brave. The letters, it, it's so rich. Like, it is brave. It is brave, yeah. But I, as I hope people will see, like the, the the letters are so rich in terms of the characters and and the issues and the themes and stuff. Like it's it's as strong as any of the other John B's, and I think it'll be hopefully a nice surprise for people. You know, I, even just to say the name of Maki Fondue, it's only John B could come up with names like that. The guy was just <laughs> yeah. he was a genius. He really was a genius. Absolute genius and the yeah. reaction you mentioned laughter, it's 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 going down well, is it? It is. Well, we got a, we've got two shows, two standing ovations so far. So, Brilliant. yeah, it's going, going down pretty well and it looks like the next couple of nights are, are pretty full. So I'd, I'd urge people to get their tickets. Like, And I can nearly guarantee them a, a, a fun-filled evening anyway with, with a little bit of drama as well. To, yeah, and I always afterwards. say to people, because it's running practically throughout the month of August, it goes on until yeah. till the 27th of August, don't leave it until the end because what happens with a run like this is, oh, sure, I've another few weeks left. And then when you go to book, the tickets are all gone and, and you will be disappointed because it, yeah. it closes on the, 20, on the 27th of um, August. You're normally on stage on your own as a comedian. Is, is there something nice about being on stage with other people? I have to say it's so lovely. I'm so used to doing stuff on my own. And as you say, it does get, I mean, I love working on my own for a while, but it does get lonely after a while. And to do stuff with such an incredibly talented cast and crew, it has just been a pleasure of a month, to be honest. And like, yeah, like you say, I'm just standing there usually on my own and there's nothing to kind of bounce off. Or there's this, this is the exact opposite. The set is like amazing. The casts are incredible and there's so much going on all the time on, on set. So, yeah, it's like a really lovely, refreshing change for me as well. I'm loving it. Start of a new direction for you? Uh, well, yeah, I'd like to tip away at more of this stuff, but I, I never leave the kind of comedy behind, I suppose, really. Like, but I still keep working on my own. But I'd love to do more of this stuff, absolutely, yeah. Definitely. Why not? Why, why not? And yeah. when, when can we expect to see you standing on your own on a stage next? I'm actually, after developing a new, I'm writing a new show and it's going to, it's going to debut in the Midsummer's Festival next year in The Everyman as well. So that'll be next June. It's called Gatman. And it's about a guy who becomes a superhero when he has a few drinks. 
Now. <laughs> we look forward to that already. <laughs> Listen, uh, continue good luck with the rest of the run Brilliant. in the Everyman. And as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Thanks for that for time. Me. Good bye morning. Bye, 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 bye. That is, uh, I was going to say it's John B. Keane. That is Ty, uh, Ty Kiki, who is playing the lead role in the Everyman in their summer show, their production of John B. Keane's Letters of a Country Postman, running until August the 27th. Get your tickets because believe me, they will sell out quickly. Oh, 818-103-103 John Paul taking uh, your calls I want to give a quick mention to the wonderful brother Kevin Crowley because I read in the papers today at the age of 87 what a man he is going to retire from the Capuchin Day Centre in Dublin and of course he has helped generations of homeless people and families afflicted by growing poverty and uh, drug addiction and he said um, when he announced his retirement that his only regret is that there is still a need for the centre more than 50 years after he established it. He started running his soup kitchen back in 1969 and at the time it was to help. He reckoned there was about 50 men who he would regularly seeing rooting through the bins in the city centre of Dublin, a homeless man, people with addiction issues and he decided he needed to do something for it. So he set up his food kitchen then 50 years ago and 50 years um, his centre on Bow Street near Smithfield in Dublin now makes breakfast for around 200 people every day they hand out dinners to up to 800 people in the evening time and they hand out upwards of 1,400 food parcels every Wednesday they also give nappies and baby food for the growing number of children who are living in poverty and he says at his age 87 he said it's not appropriate to be holding on to the reins. He said it's time for the it's it's a good time for the centre. It's time to hand over to somebody else. Can I also say it's time for that man to take uh, a break? He said I, he's done what he's wanted to do, but he said the p- sad part is there's still a need for the centre after all these years. And if anything, there is now a growing need. And it is believed uh, Brother Kevin will step down from his role later on this month. He wants to make a clean break, which means he's going to leave Dublin. And of course, brother Kevin Crowley is one of our own. He's a native of West Cork and he's coming home. He's coming back to West Cork. He said, I'm moving back to the most beautiful county in Ireland. And seemingly he's got a lot of nieces and nephews in West Cork. So he's coming home to us, which is terrific. He says he's going to miss the dubs, particularly the, all the dubs who have volunteered with him. And, you know, he went on to thank everybody who's helped him, all the professionals who've helped out, people like the doctors and the dentists and the chiropodists and the diabetic consultants all gave of their time for free. But he particularly wanted to thank the people who come in at 6 a on a Wednesday morning to make up those food parcels so they're ready to hand out to the needy of Dublin and he says you know the generosity of people is is just uh, tremendous his concern has always been about the dignity and respect of each person who comes to them for help he said when they started out the problem was alcohol and poverty and how it affected a number of men who were homeless at the time but he said as the years has gone on Poverty has spread and now whole families are affected. And he says that what really saddens him is to see the number of little children who have to come into the food kitchen in Dublin and the effect of drug addiction, he said, is just terrible. The amount of dealing that's going on on the streets and he sees no end to the uh, drug problem. And he spoke, you know, at the start of the summer, the number of people who were seeking help at the centre spiked. And he said that was directly down to inflation, directly down to the cost of living crisis. And he says more 
more and more people every single day. They're getting more phone calls from people saying can't pay my, pay my electricity bill, can't pay my uh, rent, trying to pay that. So instead, I need food parcels and they're coming into Brother Kevin and his team for food parcels. And he's just af- he's just afraid that if they're already seeing the effect of the current inflation, he's afraid, afraid of where it's all going to end. He said there are more people dealing with anxiety. He's meeting elderly people who are living on their own, afraid to put the heat on because of the bills that are going to come in. People who are simply going to bed early in the evening because, rather than keep the heating uh, on. And he said something has to be done for the unfortunate people who simply can't pay the bills. And he says it is a huge crisis. And the biggest fear for people is the fear of the unknown. And that's leading to massive uh, anxiety uh, levels. And then he was asked about, you know, where all his funding comes from because they get donations of food, but they also have to buy food. They don't get everything that they need. Unfortunately, doesn't come in uh, donated. And he said the bill for the food prices, because that's all going up for them as well. Their expenses last year were 3.9 million. 1.6 million of that went on food. They get under a half a million from the HSE. So the rest has to come from benefactors and for people fundraising. And he said it's the goodness and the kindness of people that uh, keeps him going. But he has decided to step down and, you know, he God, if that man doesn't deserve a break. So he's coming home to us in West Cork, which is the real good news of this story. And, and I hope he has many, many happy, happy years surrounded by family. And no doubt old friends will still be around for Brother Kevin Crowley coming back to us in Cork. 0818 103 103. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We're continuing with our chat with uh, Joe Heffernan on gambling that we've been covering for the last uh, couple of weeks. And today we're very much pitching it at people who live with somebody who has a problem with uh, gambling. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Can can I just say before we start, um, we're really, really, really wrapping up our Air Ambulance CD adventure. Um, So anyone with CDs or money follows Please make contact, and um, and we'll 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 uh, we'll go about collecting that. Okay, Thank you. perfect. And you can hand over the official check then yeah. as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now on gambling, following our slot last week, I had uh, an email in to 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 yourself and myself from Fiona, one of our listeners, and she was really delighted that we were highlighting the problem of addiction gambling. And she she says in her email, it's a cruel and baffling disease. My son of 25 is in active addiction. I am attending Gammonon, which is a 12 step programme. He started around the age of 15, just playing a bit of poker online. It was very hidden. He never seemed to have any money. It's a very manipulative addiction. He borrowed and stole to get money. He was on a COVID payment, for example, and every single cent of it was spent online. He became agitated and aggressive. We ended up having to get a protection order against our own son. He often woke us in the middle of the night looking for money. By the way, there's no Gammonon group in North Cork thanking you for all that you are uh, doing. God, that really sums up how gambling affects other people. Not it just really, the, really the does yeah. um, a drastic situation, and um, <coughs> it would be great if Fiona was instrumental in getting a gammonon meeting going. 
yeah, in North Cork. Yeah, yeah, who it knows? Would be, yeah. It would be wonderful. It would be great. It's badly, badly needed. Okay, so we are, mm. we're talking to people like Fiona today. Now, thankfully, Fiona has found Gammonon, which is great for her. Yeah. But for others who, who haven't, you, you're going to go down firstly through 20 questions um, just for people to think about, are you living with a compulsive gambler? Yeah, it's kind of like, is Gammonon for me okay. uh, kind of thing. Yeah, so it's 20 questions. And um, I mean, no one is going, to, uh, is going to say yes to 20 of them. But if there's a fair few, um, what would we call a fair few? I don't know, four, five, six um, uh, uh, yeses. Well, then it would be worth having a think or maybe Googling uh, Gammonon. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm sure um, the GA um, Gamblers Anonymous website will have a reference and a contact as well for Gammonon. So the 20 questions. Right, number one. Do you find yourself constantly bothered by bills? Um, you know, is there a kind of a constant financial pressure um, that is maybe even a little bit... Um, Inexplicable, like how 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 how's it that wasn't paid? Two. Uh, the person in question um, are they often away from uh, home for long unexplained periods of time, or disappearing for long periods of unexplained time? Like where is he or she? Okay. Um, three. Does the person ever lose time from work due to gambling? Um, four. Do you feel that the person cannot be trusted with money? That it's going to disappear um, to places that it was not intended for? Yeah. Um, does the person in question absolutely promise that the gambling will stop and look he, he or she looks for another chance and yet resorts back reverts back to the gambling again number six does this person ever gamble longer than he or she intended to until the last euro is gone uh, Fiona's email had a wonderful um, uh, but drastic and um, uh, example of that with someone coming in the middle of the night looking for money. Because um, uh, they're chasing the loss. When a person, huh? They're chasing the loss. Yeah, yeah. When a, when a person normally would be in bed and um, either asleep or having a read of a book or whatever, but like not coming at one, two, three a.m. looking for money, it it kind of doesn't make sense. But it does if there's a gambling problem. Does the person ever gamble to get money to solve financial difficulties? Um, you know, or um, there's a holiday coming up. Um, uh, funds are not great, but a good winning bet will solve the whole problem. And, uh, and off we'll go. But of course, if it was as simple as that, we'd all be doing it. Um, so does the person have kind of unrealistic expectations of um, of winning money at, 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 at gambling? 
um, does the person borrow money to gamble with or to pay a gambling debt? Now, that would be a very usual one, either borrowing from friends or financial institutions, uh, but there's nothing to show for it afterwards. Has the person's number um, number 10, has the person's reputation ever suffered due to gambling, even to the extent of maybe breaking the law to finance gambling? And we see that, don't we, Patricia, over and over again um, uh, in court cases where the uh, defendant um, would, uh, would say that they had a gambling problem and that that's what led to... Um, uh, to an illegal act uh, to get to to get money. Yeah, including st- stealing money at work or embezzling money out of work. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, have, uh, number eleven. Have you come to the point of hiding money needed for you know the household living expenses, knowing that there will be a shortage of the necessities? food, clothing, etc., etc., if you don't hide money. Uh, If it's around, it'll get missing. Okay. Twelve. Do you search the person's clothing or go through his or her wallet or um, go through the phone um, if the opportunity arises? to kind of check up of what's going on. 13. Does the person uh, hide, as it were, be very secretive about his or her money? Um, In other words, like not open about um, uh, what he or she currently has. 15. Does the person use kind of gaslighting that, uh, you know, that the problems, the financial problems, etc., are sort of all your fault, all the other person's fault? Um, It isn't isn't me gambling at all. It's money being wasted on A, B, C or D, that kind of thing. Um, What I'm referring to there, like, is gaslighting, in other words, blaming the other person for a problem that a person himself or herself has caused. Um, 17, moods. Do you kind of uh, be watchful um, and try to anticipate the other person's moods? Um, uh, You know, a win might produce um, a smiling, happy person and a loss might produce someone grumpy and... um, uh, bad-humoured, and it can even go as far as what Fiona described in her email there. Um, aggressive. You know, that a person can get aggressive yeah. and get um, completely out of order and make the home miserable. Um, she had to go to great um, extremes, as you said there from the email. So... It does not lead to a to a happy a happy home. Um, so the the mood swings. Eighteen. Does the person ever suffer from remorse 
or depression due to gambling. Sometimes that you'd even worry about, um, were they safe? Um, you know, would there be suicidal um, uh, hints or anything like that when things are reaching rock bottom? Uh, 19. Has the gambling ever brought you to the point of threatening to break up the relationship? You know, if you don't stop, I'm leaving. Um, and do you feel that your life together is a very, very unhappy one uh, due to gambling? Right, and that's that it's ob- making yeah. life... That's uh, yeah, yeah, that's obviously if you're in a married or a couple situation, you're, you're living yeah. together. But as, as we saw from Fiona, the devastation on a family. And that I, yeah. uh, what struck me as, as, as a mother myself, really difficult to have to get a protection order against a son or daughter. That's not, that will just show you the lengths that Fiona and her family have gone to and how far and what they've put up with to have to go to that length. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, that isn't something that anyone would do lightly. That yeah. would sort of be, I would imagine, indeed, Patricia, a sort of last resort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yet, you know, we hear so many times on other addictions, you know, you need to protect yourself. Yes. And that's yeah. what that's what Gammonon is all about. Absolutely. Giving you that, that skill exactly, set. Yeah. As as um, to kind of quote an AA and Al-Anon um, thing is like, uh, and we'll we'll change the alcohol word to addiction. You can see what the addiction is doing to the other person, but can you see what it's doing to you? And that's the thing that um, a person who is involved with someone who is in active addiction uh, needs to ask him or herself. Like, you know, I can see what's going on with. A or B or C person, but can I see what this is doing to me? And um, I'd sometimes get a phone call and it would be somebody uh, speaking about um, a loved one who is in active addiction. Um, and uh, I, I would always ask the, the question, and, and how are you? Because sometimes... Um, uh, and good, I wouldn't say, uh, yeah, fairly often it's the person who makes that phone call who might come to talk about their feelings and how they are um, because the other person uh, might not be willing to um, attend to uh, rehab uh, of, you know, stop uh, the uh, addictive behavior. Um, and uh, it might be a mother, a dad, a cousin, a brother, a sister who would um, actually need to sit down with someone and to explain what it was doing to them. I remember one person, um, it, it, it was an addiction and uh, it actually wasn't a gambling one, but uh, this uh, person was in college and found that it was a she that she couldn't concentrate on her studies, um, was um, was constantly being bothered by the person in addiction, and um, to the extent where um, her college um, career, her her um, her studies, were not being attended to in any um, 
realistic way and it wasn't looking good for her career. Yeah, yeah, it's just the effect that it has. And if you go, as you go, if you go to gamblersanonymous.ie and they have a, a section for Gammon on and actually there's yeah. a map of the country, there, are, there isn't unfortunately that many Gammon on meetings. I mean, according to this map, and I'm, I'm assuming it's as up to date as possible, there is one in the Dominican Centre on Pope's Quay in Cork. Mm. They meet on Saturday mornings at 12 noon and the Church of Our Lady in St. John in Carrigaline, they meet on a Tuesday evenings at um, half past uh, seven. Uh, we need more, uh, you know, I mean, if I was to put in a corresponding map for Alcoholics Anonymous mm. and Al-Anon, mm. I'd find way more meetings, wouldn't I? You would indeed. Yeah. You would indeed. Um, um, and that building, the first one you mentioned there, is the kind of roundy building um, opposite the, um, the, uh, the opera house. Okay. Um, on, at the bottom of the hill there. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Have, have you, have, I, I have, there's, there's an 087 number up online here. Is that the most up-to-date one? I would imagine that that's the most up-to-date. Uh, 0873331203 uh, but as I say if people want to go online go to Gamblers Anonymous Ireland and uh, you can find out more about uh, Gammonon but I think our message to people who have answered yes to any of those questions that we've gone through Joe is to please reach out don't be you know don't be suffering on your own because people really are suffering on their own Absolutely yeah. and a thing to remember is it only takes two people um, to form a Gammonon group. That's true, that's true. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, Mike in Bantry says all classes of people can become gamblers. It's an invisible disease. It is indeed. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm up against it on time. Joe, listen, have a lovely mm. week. Enjoy the sunshine. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Absolutely. Thanks for Thank joining you. us. That's Joe Heffernan and Joe runs a counselling practice in Boho Bui. His number's 86 that's where I leave you for today. Enjoy the sunshine. John Paul McNamara produced Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow Court at 10. Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.